As we know, for the last couple of weeks, we have probably been through one of the most devastating storms that any of us have ever seen here in Nassau, Bahamas. There are many things that we may have been taking for granted, whether it be lights, water, um, ice. You know, we could think of many things that we have taken for granted. And the title of this message is Don't Waste Hurricane Matthew. Because I think that we need this morning to understand that we are not here just because of, you know, some particular reason. We are here because of the sovereignty of God, and he has us here for a reason. Whether we believe it or not, for many of us this morning, we have lost things that we may consider very valuable. And realize that we have to be thankful for the life that God has given us. Because there may have been times during the same storm that we didn't know we was going to make it through. It has been a little over two weeks since Hurricane Matthew has hit, and we are still picking up the pieces. But there's one thing that we can hold on to, and that we know that we have a God who is still sovereign, a God that is still on the throne, and a God that is always there. You see, the Apostle Paul was in a similar situation as he sat in a jail cell as he wrote to the Philippian church. Now, I have never been to jail, but I can imagine that it's not too comfortable to be in. Paul could have easily looked at this time and got angry with God and pouted and want people to feel sorry for him. But Paul was determined not to waste his time in jail, but he wanted to bring honor and glory to God no matter what. You see, he had time to sit and think of everything that he had accomplished in life, but there was one thing that he recognized that was greater than anything else, and that was knowing God. You see, we must look at Hurricane Matthew in the same light as God has given us each daily opportunity to shine for him in spite of circumstances around us. Or dwell on the things that we have lost, but rather be thankful for what God has given us. You see, as we think about this morning, we want to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there for me, but it's also on the screen as well. And it says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I count as loss for the sake of Christ, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in the sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by many means possible that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, that I have already obtained this, or I am ready perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning we will look at four points. First point is, Hurricane Matthew has given us an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord. The second point is, Hurricane Matthew puts our accomplishments in perspective. Third, Hurricane Matthew reminds us that knowing Christ is the greatest gift. And fourth, Hurricane Matthew has reminded us to look to God as the author and finisher of this life. Point number one, Matthew, Hurricane Matthew has given us an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3.1 says again, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble and is safe to me. You see, as Paul is closing chapter 3, he makes it very clear what he is saying here. As he is sitting in a jail cell, he says this, I want to rejoice in the Lord. I want to rejoice. This past Friday in a youth group, we looked at 1 Thessalonians, and it says this, to rejoice always. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, that's a very hard thing to do, to rejoice when things aren't going the way that we would like it to go. It's easy to rejoice God in the good times. But when it becomes the time as like we went through the storm, and we know that many of you in this room have suffered, you know, shingle damage, you know, loss of homes, roof damage, you know, water coming in the house, it's very hard to say rejoice in the Lord at those times. But Paul recognizing again that here it is, he is sitting in this jail cell, he is saying, Finally, my brothers, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. A point that we can understand, because you know what? We all have something to rejoice about. Even though we went through the storm and we have all these things that, let's be real, when we woke up on Friday morning and we saw the trees in our yards and everything, all the shingles, we thought to ourselves, what are we going to do? How are we going to clean this up? Well, the reality is some people didn't have nothing to clean up because they had no home. They had no shingles. You see, we must rejoice in the Lord for what he has done. As Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. I am sure that during this time, we have all probably passed someone and heard it over and over again. How the hurricane treats you? Well, you know what? I'm just thankful for life. The truth of the matter is this. Is that just out of a habit? Or are we truly thankful to God for life? And recognize that God has placed us here for a reason, to bring honor and to rejoice. Which brings me to our second point. Hurricane Matthew puts our accomplishments in perspective. Philippians 2.6 said, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. But we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law of blameless. You see, Paul is warning the people to be on guard. There are people who are looking to come in and destroy you. You see, we must rely on the Holy Spirit to, to control us during these times. Because it is easy to allow flesh to come out 
when we are down, when we are hurt, and when we feel like God owes us something. But we have been circumcised on the inside. Our hearts have been circumcised. We are a changed people that we call ourselves believers. We are to be Christ-like in these times. As you all know, when the rumor went out for there was a gas shortage on this island, people got crazy. They didn't know what to do. In fact, some of the people should have probably stayed home. You wouldn't have burned as much gas. But the reality is, when we're squeezed, that's when the truth comes out, the type of person that we are. Paul makes it very clear that if it is one to brag in its accomplishments, it's him. First of all, the right ritual. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had followed the Jewish law, and he was circumcised on the eighth day, which the law tells you to do. Secondly, it was the right race. He was an Israelite. He was a member of God's chosen people. Third, he was in the right family, the tribe of Benjamin. This was the tribe that gave Israel the first king. First, third, fourth, he was the right religion. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He held on to the language and the customs. Fifth, he had the right occupation. He was a Pharisee. Sixth, he had the right zeal. He was a persecutor of the church. Paul thought what he was doing, he was doing right. And last, right morality. He was outwardly keeping all of God's commands, but in his heart, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't there. He didn't have a heart change. So Paul is basically saying, look, if there's anyone who could brag about what they have and who they are, it's me. I've done all these things. I have all these accomplishments. You see, when we look at Paul's life, he had all the right credentials. But people look at it and think, well, Paul, he's a good person. Paul was a passionate person, as we see him talk about zeal of persecution. We will see later that Paul never changed his passion. He was always a passionate person, but his angle of passion changed because when he came to know Christ as Lord and Savior, his passion changed for the Lord. You see, Paul said, if there's anyone who has confidence, it's me. I have accomplished much in the flesh. And the reality is in this room this morning, there are some of us who have put confidence in our accomplishments, in our flesh. We think that, you know what, I've accomplished so much in this world that, you know, I have it all together. The reality is what Hurricane Matthew has taught us is this. It don't matter what you accomplished before, when you're going through the storm in life, there's only one place you could turn, that's Jesus Christ. As you sit and think of going through a storm, and I don't know about you, but listening to the radio, you know, I think that's probably the worst thing to do, but you listen to the radio, and you hear the breeze going 120, 140 outside, and then you have Jeff Lloyd say, oh, we got like three more hours of this. It puts life in perspective. Because at the end of the day, no one's going to care what you've done before. They only care about what's going on at this time. I think we could even twist it a little bit as we think of what we actually have. Because a lot of us put confidence in these. Right? If you were anything like me, you know, I have an iPhone and you would think that, you know what, this is a smartphone, you know, this is something that's going to be great during the time of a storm, but you learn very quickly you couldn't use these. In fact, we had to go to my dad's bubbler, as we say in the Bahamian terms, or his old cell phone, the dumb phone, because that was the only thing we could use. 
to call anyone. You see, Hurricane Matthew has really caused us to put everything in perspective. The things that we take for granted. The credentials that we have. You see, we live in a world where it's so easy to get caught up in self-righteous acts. But as the prophet Isaiah says, these are filthy rags. You see, sometimes we think that just because we come to church, we're good. Just because I give some money to the needy, we're good people. We've done our duties for the Lord. But the reality is, it doesn't really matter what it is that we do. Once, if it's not for the Lord, it doesn't matter. Which brings me to my third point. Hurricane Matthew reminds us that knowing Christ is the greatest gift. Philippians 3, 7, 8 says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, knowing Christ means I count everything as loss. When I compare knowing Christ, and we're not talking about an intellectual of knowing all the Sunday school stories and the facts about Christ. We're talking about an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing Christ. Think about you for a second. If you want to get to know someone, what do you do? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You get to know them. What are we doing with our relationship with Jesus Christ? Are we getting to know him better? Do we think we know enough about him now that we think that we can just get by? Because, you know, in Sunday school, we could tell the right answers and we, we can say these things. The reality is Paul is talking about to know Christ intimately. Paul makes it very clear that when he considers knowing Christ, he counts everything as rubbish. Some virgins say dung. In fact, the Greek word here is only used once, and he's talking about human waste. That's what he counts. And I know we don't want to talk about human waste because we're going to get ready to eat soon. You don't want to think about it. But the reality is that's what Paul counted as a minch, as human waste. Going to the dump when it came to knowing Christ. He recognized that, you know what, these accomplishments mean nothing. They're nothing when it comes to knowing Christ better and more. If we are honest in this room tonight, I mean this morning, We would recognize that during this time, when we've had no power, when we've had no internet, when we've had a lot of things, in some ways it's drew people closer together. It's drew communities together. It's drew some families who actually talk a little bit more because not everyone is doing this. And let me just confess right here, right now, because I'm not going to be hypocritical here at all. I wanted my internet too, all right? I was missing my internet. I had power and I was still a little upset because I wanted it. I, you know, I wanted life to be back to normal. But you know what? At the end of the day, those things mean nothing compared to knowing Christ and becoming one of them. John Piper says this, one thing matters Know Christ and gain Christ. Everything is rubbish in comparison to this. One thing matters, know Christ and gain Christ. Everything is rubbish in comparison. 
You see, we need to recognize, just like Paul, that knowing Christ is the greatest thing that we can hold on to. During the aftermath, again, as, as we were wondering if we could speak to our loved ones or what was going to happen, we had to put our faith and cling on to the sovereign king because that was the only thing that some of us could do. Like I said, there have been members of this church whose roofs have blown off, who are hurting. I had the opportunity to go and visit, and you know what the one thing they kept on saying? We worship a God is in control. We're grateful because God is in control. And I'm thinking, you know what? I need faith like that sometimes. Because we look at our circumstances. And it's easy to give God honor and glory when things are going good. But when we're going through the storm of life, and as we've been through this storm, it's very hard sometimes. Because everything we're used to is gone. And the only thing we have to hold on to is Christ and our relationship with him. And you know what? That should be enough for us. I will say this. I was encouraged by the saints of Calvary Bible Church. Because thank the Lord that our building did not blow away. We praise the Lord for that. And that on the Sunday after the storm, you know what? We had no lights, no generator were cut on, no fans, nothing. But we worship the Lord outside. Because you know what? The reality is this is just a building. We are the church. And no matter what happens here, this is the body of Christ. If the building isn't here anymore, that doesn't mean we don't exist. We have the common goal of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what should keep us going for him. You know, like I said, I mean, you know, let's be real. We all take things for granted. But there's one thing that we can always put our hope in, that we worship a God who is in control, who has never left the throne. Even though we're going through those storms of life, he is sitting on the throne, and we are thankful for that. A.W. Tozer once said this, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that again. What comes to your minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You see, everything is here for a time. Everything is going to pass away. But the one thing that never changes is God himself. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what we hold on to. The question for us is this, though, as believers. What do we know about Christ? Is God really the most important thing in our lives? Do we show this in our homes? Do we show this in our workplace? Do we show this wherever we go? Because Paul wanted to make sure that everyone knew who he was with, who, each, who his treasure was, where his passion was. You see, Paul was passionate when he killed Christians, but he was so much more passionate when he came in the relationship with Jesus Christ because he recognized that, you know what, what I'm doing is for eternal. It's not just for now. Also, as we see in verses 9 to 11, it says this, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes in from the law, but which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of the resurrection, and may share in his suffering, because, becoming like him in his death, 
and by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. How can we know God more intimately? How can we get to know him more? Well, we can spend time in his word. We can pray. But there's something that Paul says here that really struck me. He says that I want to share in your sufferings. I want to share in your sufferings to get to know you more. Again, we are people who like comfort. And like I said, I'm the first one who likes comfort. I like comfort. But you know what? Sometimes we have to go through sufferings for Christ. And you know what he promises in his word that you know what? Life, the Christian life isn't going to be easy. How did Christ suffer? Christ suffered to death for us. He paid the price for me and you to have a relationship with him. And you know what? There might be someone in this room this morning that you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. And let me tell you something. To put your faith and trust in Christ is the greatest gift, the greatest thing that you could ever do in your life. Because it's the only thing that will last. It's the only thing that you can cling on to, to hold on to in these times. But we also know that even though Christ suffered, we know that he is what? Risen. We worship a risen king. You see, Paul wanted to recognize that, you know what, we're going to fellowship in his sufferings. But we also partner with you, Christ. We're going to be partners in everything that we go through. Paul is also willing to be like Christ as he's willing to die for his faith. And yes, you know what, his, our death would not be the same as his redemptive death. But let me ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to die for your faith? Are you willing to die for the sake of Christ? That if God called you to that? Which brings us to the last point for this morning. Hurricane Matthew has reminded us to look to God as the author and finisher of this faith. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, some people who went through the storm was holding on for their life. As we hear the stories and we, we were listening to the radio, we hear people going up in their attics. You know, they had nowhere else to turn. But Paul used an illustration here for us to really understand that, you know what? We can't change what we've been through. He makes it us this illustration to show us a running race. To recognize that, you know what? We have been through the storm. Not saying that we can't learn lessons from the storm, but we need to press on now. We need to run forward. We need to keep going. Think about a runner for a second. And I'm definitely not a runner by any means necessary. But the one thing besides Usain Bolt, the one thing they tell you as a runner not to never do is what? Look behind you. Only Usain Bolt could look behind you and still beat everybody in the race. I've never seen nothing like it. But they tell you don't look behind you. And the reason they tell you that is because what? You lose focus. You may trip. You may fall. And if you fall in a race, you know what? It's not going to help you. You're going to lose. But I will tell you an illustration of it. I don't know how many of you watched the Olympics and saw the Haitian runner who ran the 100-meter hurdles. And he tripped 
on the first or second hurdle. But you know what? He never lost focus. He saw the finish line. You know what he realized? I need to finish the race. And that's what he did. He got up and he walked to finish the race. You see, we're not, Christ is not done with us. Even though we've been through the storm. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. You see, Hebrews 12 has told us that there are many people who have gone before us, many witnesses. And we need to recognize that as we run this race, we can't hold on to weights. We need to let go of the sin in our lives. We need to let go of whatever is holding us from giving everything over to God. We need to let go of that. Because Christ wants us to run this race of endurance. This isn't a sprint. This is a race that we have to run for many years. Until the day we die, we're running this race. So for you this morning, as you think and we think of Hurricane Matthew, let's not waste it. Let's not waste the lessons that Matthew has taught us. The importance of knowing Christ and showing him and depending on him, even when we go through the storms, let us give praise, honor, and glory to God, even when we go through these storms of life, as Matthew has taught us. And this morning, you may be going through another storm. Whatever it may be, give it over to God, because he knows about it. He's there for you. So how do we apply this? Again, don't waste the experience of Hurricane Matthew, but rather learn from it and strive to know in Christ more. We recognize that the things we put our hopes in, we have been wasting our lives. And the only thing that will bring true satisfaction is knowing Christ and knowing him more intimately. What I want to do is right now, as we close, I want us to, we're going to play a, a video. And there's a song that a lot of us know. But I want us to really apply it and, under, and, and just look at the lyrics. And let us praise God through the storm.
Let's pray. Father, we again thank you that even when we go through the storms of life, you are there. You are a sovereign king. You are on the throne. And Father, we thank you that we know that you said you'll never leave us or forsake us. And Father, I pray that you would just continue to help us to just seek after you, that we would want to know you more, and that we would continue just to strive to become more like you. 
And we just thank you. We praise you for everything you've done. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for our challenges. And I pray that we would apply it to our lives. We just thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.